Hey everybody, welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy and you probably are too. I'm Tegan and I'm here today with Lindsay and we're here to talk nerdy to you about sci-fi and a lot of progressive themes that have really been kind of relevant in a lot of our sci-fi fandoms, um, Star Trek in particular. First off though, I wanted to apologize for getting this off so late. We've both just had just the past month or so has just been so crazy for both of us. I swear it's just like one thing after another in our personal lives. I, I, I don't even I, I don't even know where to begin. It's it's just been it, it's been a trip, you know. And I mean I, I just I have to think it's, you know, kind of been crazy that we've been doing this podcast for so long, been churning out content like on a regular basis. Even when we got back down to like bi weekly episodes, like still churning out two episodes per month. And, you know, generating that content for you and having it, you know, be quality, not just, you know, oh, we're just shooting off at the hip, you know. Uh, and we've been doing this all the past year under quarantine. So that's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Like, I swear something has been in the water lately and it's just been like, ah, <laughs> everything's just been kind of. Well, and it's funny, too, that you say that because, you know, you live on the East Coast ish mm-hmm. and I'm in the Midwest. So for there to be something in the water across the entire country mm-hmm. is is kind of cool and also daunting. To yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just in the sense that, like, it's just been an exhausting. Yeah. I don't know. Specifically March at this point. I, I don't know if we're supposed yeah. to be, be wearing the Ides of March or what's going on. I, I don't know. I just like felt the weight of i don't know something yeah all of last week yeah well i mean like we are coming up on that year in quarantine and i think that you know Mm -hmm. even even though my lifestyle itself didn't change that much like i I stay home most like 99 percent of the time anyway (laughs) even even before the pandemic that was just my life i like being home that's where all my stuff is you know i pay rent to live here so i'm going to get the most out of that rent right Mm -hmm. um But even so, like, there's just a certain strain, I think, that goes along with, you know, having something going on and, you know, having the kids home or having to figure out their school and stuff like that. It just, you know, coming up on that year, I think it just, it all just kind of accumulates into just a bone aching exhaustion, you know. So we're yeah. still going to be recording and doing episodes for y'all. I'm sorry, you know, we're, we've gotten, you know, delayed on a couple of them here, but, you know, we still... You know, we, we want to present, you know, our content to y'all and we want to make sure it's good and it's quality and we're not just, you know, going off, you know, and doing whatever random crap, you know, we, we want it to be good. I, I did specifically need a lot more time to research on this one. Um, I feel like I had a lot of disjointed ideas and things I wanted to talk about, but um, I wanted to make sure that I uh, did the content justice on my end. And so it, it was really hard to to work the hours I work and take care of myself and then also take care of um, what I wanted to make sure I say. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, that being said, and then also, you know, like we have had some really like negative things happening in the mm-hmm. past, uh, you know, year, basically. But there's also some really positive things that have been happening um, more recently. Um, there's been some CDC guidelines with the vaccinations and. Um, the hope that people are actually going to be able to get vaccinated and then um, spend time indoors together. We might actually have a summer to remember this year. So it's kind of, um, you know, although there's many things to 
kind of be downtrodden about and talk about cancel culture and all of that stuff, we also have this uh, uh, opportunity to be optimistic and hopeful for um, what we're able to to bring to the table here. And that's kind of what this episode is almost about. Yeah. Um, the optimism of the human race, um, as noted as like progressivism in science fiction is going to be uh, kind of cool to talk about. It's always mm-hmm. been a, a hopeful um, theme as far as I can tell. So yeah, um, you're supposed to be introducing our, our topic today. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's totally fine. It, it, it's it's just one of those, you know, weeks. It's just... Uh, <laughs> We're doing it backwards today. <laughs> hey, we, we just go with the flow. We just go with the flow. We got this. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this is one of the topics that, you know, has kind of always been in my forefront because it involves a lot of things that I personally deal with on a more daily basis, more or less. So, I mean, like, you know, when we come to talk about, you know, progressivism and science fiction and Star Trek specifically, I'm like, oh, yes, I am there. I am right there. I am ready. You know, um, I remember now, disclaimer, I have not seen Star Trek Discovery, um, but I know that there are some like trans and some non-binary characters in that show. I know that they do showcase a queer romance. So like I... I haven't seen it, but I am aware of it. And of course, unfortunately, uh, along with that comes the inevitable discourse that comes along with it is, you know, oh, well, this is just politics. I don't want politics in my science fiction. I don't want politics in my, you know, Star Trek. You know, I I don't want this. You know, I, I don't want to see this. And, you know, it just, it gets so kind of almost exhausting after a time. This is kind of part of the reason I've backed off of certain fandoms, like, interacting with like groups and you know of fans and stuff like that just because it really becomes exhausting dealing with people that are like this that are just constantly like I don't want to see this because reason you know Hmm. and I mean I'm sure the the cool thing about science fiction is that Mm -hmm. it has like traditionally always been yeah about uh social uh concepts i mean um there there is like a subgenre of science fiction called like social science fiction mm-hmm. and it literally is like uh usually it's portrayed as like soft science fiction where it talks more yeah. about the people and less about like technology and and like space opera but more with like speculation about society and if uh, thrown yeah. into different situations how would people respond how would um the influence of uh I guess political views or you know um, societal mores how they would change um, in different kinds of society so it's sort of like uh, it just it discusses more like anthropology and and human behavior and interaction so it's it's always been really cool to me Um, you know I was that girl uh, when I was um, my daughter's age or younger that wanted to be an anthropologist because Mm -hmm. I always thought it was so interesting to think about cultures and how people lived um a long time ago and and even you know not so not so long ago uh like even the twilight zone started um some really awesome social commentary um based off of like uh, people who are prejudiced and and mm-hmm. bigoted and and uh, the concepts that they they 
that you know Rod Serling brought to the table were so very um, kind of controversial for, for the time. Yeah. But but also you re- that I I I was watching a lot of like videos of Rod Serling talking, and I was blown away at how like upset he was about um, businesses trying to censor television um, because he had been in television for 12 years at the time and um, had like crippling stage fright and Mm -hmm. was doing these interviews where he was so affluent and and sounded so intelligent but so like irritated with you know not being able to have a not being able to light a match in a in a screenplay because it was actually um sponsored by a company or no no uh, something about lighter versus a match and how how to do that in the scene because of who was sponsoring the show and he was so like just over it um with that kind of censorship at the time and you know that was the 60s so it made sense what was going on you know what we know about history now but at the same time it's very like i i was just blown away he he he's such a cool do to to have been doing what he was doing at the time um and you know there there's so many different episodes options from from his standpoint it's, you know we they didn't talk so much about um things that star trek talks about like uh mm-hmm. you know gender um gender normative things that mm-hmm. people were were thinking back then it just wasn't oh yeah it wasn't really spoke about so much i suppose but there was a lot more like mccarthyism and mm-hmm. Um, terrorism and um, just what uh, influences from like the Cold War and also the civil rights movement nuclear war Mm -hmm. yep yep and and the civil rights stuff too yeah that he's he's known to have said stuff like you know um, the influence of of Hitler on um, post World War II uh, thoughts and uh, weaponry that was even um, obtained in ways that were unsavory, um, obviously mm-hmm. with like Dr. Mengele's experimentations yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that um, influencing whether or not you can really fight over those weapons when they were obtained in such an awful, horrible way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like insane that we've been really dealing with this social science fiction for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of been been there the whole time. So it's yeah. it's interesting to me that people are you know um, are like oh I don't want I don't want this political commentary in my in my entertainment when uh, this is one of those mediums where we there's these chances to really yeah. like, teach something to really say something and to say the important stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone who doesn't want to hear that hasn't been listening anyway. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, oh, you know, you're doing your fandom wrong or you're, you know, if you're going to be a fan of something, you have to be it and do it in this way and do these things and yada, yada, yada. You know, absolutely. There are different ways to enjoy the same fandom. But at the same time, if you're missing the point of everything that's going on in the media of the fandom... Then, yeah, I'm going to call you out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 100%, I'm going to call you out. So, you oh know. Oh, my gosh, isn't that kind of the theme? Missing yeah. the point? Like, yeah. That, that's what this whole, I think that's what my problem is, that other people have been missing the point this whole time. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh. Well, I think, you know, now, I mean, when it comes to things like especially Star Trek, I'm more familiar with, like, the original series and Next Generation. 
Um, not so much the more, you know, anything after that. Like, a little bit, but not that much. But, you know, I think at least in part of it for at least the older series, it's people watching it after the fact have a lack of context for it. So, you know, they see Pavel Chekhov and they see, oh, well, you know, he's just a Russian character. He's a bit stereotypical, but, you know, whatever. But you have to remember, this was a character who was, you know, while stereotypical, was portrayed in a positive light during the Cold War. This was not just a small thing. He was portrayed positively, even with the stereotypes. And even that was a statement in and of itself. Lieutenant Uhura being in the position that she was being a black woman and having a speaking role, having an important role that gave inspiration for other people to say, Hey, you know, I can do that too. I, Whoopi Goldberg specifically saw her, saw Nichelle Nichols in that role and was like, Hey, she's an actress, but she's not just like a maid or somebody in the background, you know, she's somebody. And, you know, that obviously stuck with Whoopi, and she came onto this, you know, Star Trek uh, media, and she, you know, she became Gwen in uh, Star Trek: Next Generation. And I, I just think that's such a lovely thing to have this, you know, continuity where you know things were working in sync with each other. You know, they had, you know, at the time, you know, this was very progressive. You know, to have a black actress in this position, to have a character that was obviously Russian portrayed in a positive light you know this was very big you know and some of the themes that they tackled you know they tackled things that were relevant to that day things like you know racism and and prejudices and things like that things that you know were very relevant to that day and that I'm sure you know if the people today who are decrying oh well you know trans people being in my Star Trek is just you know politics I'm sure if they were around and, you know, living in that world where the original Star Trek was taking place, they would probably be complaining about the same things, you know? Oh, well, look at all this, you know, social commentary in my Star Trek. I, I can't deal with this. No, this this is not right, you know? Right. Okay, so let's go back. How many different iterations of Star Trek are there? There's the original series. Mm-hmm. There's Next Generation. There's Voyager. Which is where okay. we see um, Catherine Janeway as the captain. And okay. then we have Deep Space Nine, um, which is not like on a starship at all. It's on a space station. And uh, then we have Enterprise. And oh, and there's like animated series back from the original one, too. Um, then there's uh, Discovery. And then they also have uh, Picard, which is... Uh, recent series as well i think that's all i think don't quote me on that that's not that's not including all the movies (laughs) well that's not including all the movies and at at that point i'm just like nah i I know one through six and i know like first contact and generations and after that it kind of gets all fuzzy for me (laughs) Yeah. They used just to so show much. the whale one on the television all the time. Yeah, like, always uh-huh. made me watch the whale movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, why, why, why do we have whales <laughs> in the Star Trek movie, Dad? Um, and uh, Twilight Zone too had a whole bunch of different reiterations. Um, mm-hmm. They like because of uh, the kinds of things they were talking about and the way um, it was presented. It was like canceled and then got back on the air several times because uh rod serling just kept like 
fighting the you know the powers that be um that were like canceling the show so he Mm -hmm. continued to like have it back on um he was one of the main writers and he like wrote 90 of the episode 90 episodes out of like 156 or something ridiculous Mm -hmm. um and it, it was just like really cool to me that there were like these other reboots of the show with different people um uh hosting uh because you know, rod serling did kind of like a monologue chain smoking the whole time um during during the episodes and um there were other people who like kind of took on that role or did the voiceovers and essentially the only one i, th- I thought really had potential was the one where um uh the gentleman from saturday night live keegan peel appeal mm-hmm. is it peel he was doing um the the hosting and that kind of seemed like it had promise but then i never got to i've never seen any of those episodes i kind of got into black mirror which is sort of like a science fictiony it's essentially twilight zone with like cell phones mm-hmm. um i don't i i don't think you've watched black no mirror, i have we would have <laughs> done an episode about it already because oh, yeah. i'm so obsessed <laughs> um but it is essentially twilight zone um it's it's a it, it's a commentary on society in the future and Mm -hmm. what our dedications to our smartphones and and, uh, cell phones and social uh, reliance is going to do in the future. So Mm -hmm. it's, it really has like this awesome potential to just really tell us uh, the dangers of where we're headed. If we Mm -hmm. continue to um, not, uh, heed the warnings I suppose is yeah. the best way to put it well um, and I mean I think that's the thing about science fiction you know it's something that is very much not static it is constantly changing and evolving because as society progresses science our science fiction has to progress as well because you know science fiction encompasses the whole you know progression of mankind and you know what progression looks like back in the 60s or the 80s looks very different than the progression that we see today you right, know so right. you know we're again you know when you rewatch these episodes you know and not that that's a bad thing but you know when you rewatch these episodes outside of the context of when of the time that they were aired mm-hmm. you know you're lacking that context so you don't see something as progressive when back then it was or you might see something as being more regressive or being bad when at the time that wasn't something that was even being addressed that you know it wasn't really in creators minds it wasn't something that you know was being brought up you know like like trans folks even though like gender things were being tossed around you know in some of the older series it's now accumulating and you know kind of coalescing in this new series because you know this is kind of at the forefront of you know social activism right now so Mm -hmm. you know it's just I I think it you know again folks who you know don't think critically about these things and don't realize this they're not realizing this about their own fandom and it's Mm -hmm. like again like you're missing the point you know if, if you want to enjoy the old stuff and only the old stuff that's fine I don't really watch a whole lot of newer series in general. Like, it takes a lot for me to get invested in newer series. Like, in general, not just in science fiction, just anything these days. I don't know. It's it's just a thing with me. It, it I need a certain level of oomph that I don't always get. But, 
you know, at the same time, you know, there's a difference between liking older things and just clinging to the past and refusing to move forward. And I think that's where a disconnect is, you know, where it's fine to like these series in favor of another series, but when you try to disconnect them and say, no, this isn't the same, you're just missing everything that it's trying to show you. And at that point, I really have to ask, are you really a fan? Like, because if you don't, if you don't have this understanding, then why do you even like this? Is it for the lasers or the, you know, the storylines? Like, what is it? Like, I I have to know then, like, what do you like? Because it's always been this way, (laughs) you know, and either you've been blind to it or you've been denying it. I don't know. We could go back to the original series for Star Trek where um, the women were wearing uh, more revealing mm-hmm. skirts, mini skirts, yes. uh, um, clothing that might seem like the, it was sexist in the way that it mm-hmm. was trying to feminize the women. But yeah. at the time... That um, was seen as was... more of like a power move, you know? Exactly. As like owning yeah. that sexuality. And it's like... You know, the de- whole definitions of being progressive and, you know, what that might look like or even like being a feminist or anything like that, you know, that changes over time as society in- of evolves. So, you know, we look at these, you know, really short dresses that, you know, Lieutenant Uhura or Nurse Chapel was wearing and we're like, ooh, you know, today, if they made a series that featured that, it would be like, ooh, you know, that's kind of, that's pretty tone deaf, you know? But back right, then right. it was like, oh, well, they're giving them, you know, this power over their sexuality. They're, you know, you know, um, they're at the same vibrating at the same uh, tone as, you know, the feminists at that time were doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's it's the whole progression and being able to recognize, you know, what things meant at a certain point in time and being able to recognize this meant something at that time. And right. it might mean something different now. And that's okay. That's, that's fine. You know, thing, you know, society changes and evolves as it should, you know, but being able to recognize that context again is just very important to know that, you know, this had a little bit deeper meaning at the time when it aired compared to now. So let's talk a little bit about the trill since I don't generally watch Star Trek. Um, <laughs> so I have no idea what these, there's, I was trying to like kind of figure out a few of these articles to read and I essentially don't understand what they mean by the trill. So (laughs) this is a race in Mm -hmm. the Star Trek universe Mm -hmm. and go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, I'm just going to like quote a little bit off of the wiki just because it's like the the easiest thing instead of like trying to coalesce thoughts or anything so they're a humanoid species um and basically uh they exist as there's like a symbiotic organism inside of them and that kind of plays into like their whole culture and everything so so basically you know they they're made up of they have the symbiotic being inside of them and then they have you know their body and it's Now, again, like I haven't really watched a whole lot of Star Trek where they're involved specifically, but um, from my understanding, it's from the outside and like not knowing the certain things about them. It kind of looks like reincarnation in a way. 
And I know that, you know, it. some things can kind of like travel over. I know that they're, um, with Dax specifically, she used to be Curzon and then she uh, became Jadzia. And uh, there's a wonderful like meme out there where like, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, Klingons were saying trans rights even back then because Klingon recognized, recognized her was like, oh, Curzon, my old friend. And she just corrected him like, oh, I'm Jadzia now. And he was just like, oh, Jadzia, my old friend, you know, just like accepting yeah. her and like just immediate quick correction moving on you know this is the same person that i know and that i love and that you know who is my friend and mm-hmm. you know even at that time like even though it wasn't like explicitly trans you know it wasn't explicit to this kind of experience it kind of like echoes off of certain things that are experienced at least for some trans folks where you know it, it's it's, it's like, you know, just a whole like different body kind of thing. Like it, they did, I think, I think used to before, you know, this whole Discov- Star Trek Discovery came where they made characters that were explicitly trans and non-binary. They were playing around with gender and, you know, kind of portraying certain trans themes even before now where it was a lot more subtle, but now it's become... You know, it's moved from the subtext to the text, if that makes any sense. Where, you know, people watching it who don't really have any real experience with trans folks or they aren't trans, you know, they might not see it for what it is. Whereas for someone who is trans or who is familiar with somebody who is trans, they see that and they're like, oh, okay, like I recognize this, you know. It's put there for the people who will see it. And I think I think that's a way that like a lot of series, at least, you know, how they used to operate they would put things out there that would be more subtext but you know for people who knew where to look and what to look for they would know kind of like with Xena and Gabrielle in Xena Warrior Princess where sure they actually did mean they wanted to write Xena and Gabrielle as being in a relationship as they wanted it the writers wanted it to be explicit but the network was like mm, well, we don't know about that. We, you know, kind of want you to back off on that. So the writers basically kind of went about it in a roundabout way where they presented them as everything short of romantic, as everything short of like actually like saying I love you and we're together and we're girlfriends or whatever. Like, you know, so queer folk, they saw that and they're like, oh, yes, they are gay. They are so gay. You know, whereas, <laughs> you know. Straight folks might have seen that and be like, oh, well, they're just really good friends. <laughs> right. Which I, I feel like that's, you know, kind of a common theme with, uh, with, with like, history, you know, looking back and be like, oh, well, they were just very good friends, you know. Oh, well, they, they spent a lot of time together and, oh, they never married. But they, you know, lived in the same house and they, they shared a lot of things and, you know, they were buried together. Like, oh, they, they must have been very good friends, <laughs> you know. Or it's like, oh, maybe not so much. <laughs> Maybe not so much. Again, like for the people who know where to look and what to look for, we know, you know? Right, right. Well, and even I think that at some point in time, I was told that Xena and, and is it Gabrielle? That uh-huh. she, that they were together and that I had like, you know, that they were romantically or should have been romantically involved mm-hmm. and I never got it. But I was also like what 12 I, I don't know I, yeah <laughs> I I still you know get can't get over the fact that two years ago I learned what the word ship meant when you're shipping people so yeah you know um <laughs> I think naivety might have been my middle name at some point <laughs> in time or still is 
uh, it's interesting to me that there are, are other shows, though, too, that have had the chance to kind of broach the social uh, science fiction uh, concept. Um, you know, I just got done getting caught up with The Expanse, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of instances in that show where they don't necessarily talk about um, race as a as a color, but as a place where you're from. Mm -hmm. And um, there are people who um, are looked down upon. They're the belters. They're the people who live in the belt. Um, and they uh, don't have the same... Um, uh, like body mass, their their bone density is different um, because of the the gravity of where they live, and um, you know like synthesized gravity. So mm -hmm. it, it's just the way it affects your bones um, when you're born into that. And it it was it's so interesting to me that those people are um, looked down upon, but they look like everybody else. You know, mm -hmm. I I spent so much of the show. Um, trying to figure out the differentiations because they, they speak Belter Creole. So um, they have a, an accent, um, but all sorts of different skin colors, all sorts of different um, people, all kinds of different mm -hmm. actors were able to, to play those characters. And then there was Martians and there were um, uh, people from Earth. And just the, the way that those uh, different societies uh, looked at each other, um, talked down about each other, and the way that they were meant to to kind of make a living had had a lot to say about um, where we're going with our societies once we get rid of the different countries and and really look at um, going out into into space, which it was really cool to me. I I I could watch the whole series again just because it was that. Uh, cool to see mm -hmm. how they wrote the different interactions of people um, and and the same in a in a different vein too um, the Orville is a is on television right now I couldn't tell you what station or what channel but Seth MacFarlane is is a writer and one of the main actors and mm -hmm. it's a Star Trek but like kind of in a comedy light yeah, um, but they I, really have a it. lot of important stuff. Like they, mm -hmm. they deal with, um, you know, a, a male and male um, relationship that's um, very, um, you know, it would be unconventional for us. Uh, the the race is it's just the way it is for this race. Um, that they don't have any females. Uh, that the females are mm -hmm. gender reassigned, and that has been broached with Star Trek several times with the mm -hmm. Trill um, because of, uh, and it's like, it's like a brainwashing. It's like mm -hmm. a insane thing that the idea of that surgery or, you know, procedure is, is to kind of emphasize how insane it is yeah. <laughs> to, to do that. But it's, it was something that not very long ago our society was doing yeah. to people to to convince them that they were their their cisgender it's it's yeah. crazy to me yeah um, this is happening like all the time to intersex folks where you know if they had unambiguous genitalia or you know something you know just didn't look like quote unquote right like according to doc to the doctors they were like oh well we need to do this surgery and it's like well do right. you really though like why like they're perfectly if they're healthy they're fine like just let it sort out later you know like, mm 
you know, this, this is the kind of thing that intersex folks have been dealing with for decades where, you know, their bodily autonomy is taken away from them and they're, you know, forced into this mold where they may not even fit. So, you know, yeah, definitely, you know, that's that's something that is very prevalent in, you know, the in the intersex community where, you know, it's it's a huge topic and one that, you know, I am glad that somebody is, you know, tackling it in a way, even if it's like not in that specific context, still the whole right. themes with, you know, associated with going on, going along with that kind of thing. Okay, so a couple more things I want to make sure we touch on. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of these shows always have some kind of uh, animatronic uh, being. Um, yes, like Data. Like Data. So mm-hmm. there's Data. There's also um, in the Orville, there's a character who's a robot, um, and he is from an alien race. So it's alien robot races, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but they, they are, he is there on the ship to learn about humans and to understand them better. And that's kind of like the the underlying theme is that, you know, I don't really think you can understand humans. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's no, like, textbook human uh, thing. There's people on the ship who are obviously, uh, you know, prejudiced or bigoted in some way, shape, or form, um, but there's always, you know, something else uh, happening, so, some other... Yeah. So it's like uh, it's like the whole arc going on. It's like the whole humans are space orcs kind of thing going on where there's right, just right. so much variety. It's like you you can't possibly pin down right. humanity. Yeah, there's no way to just <laughs> pin it all down. Um, yeah. but you know the character in Orville, he ends up taking on a, a human type form in the in one of the like hologram holo places where you can yeah make a make a place and you know pretend like a holodeck yeah a holodeck that's the word i wanted i was going (laughs) there um (laughs) so you know he's able to to look like a human and then one of the humans falls in love with him and that's kind of a growing theme um battlestar galactica does that um where a um a, a human is in love with a Cylon and is pregnant with a, a half Cylon baby. Um, Cylons are are uh, essentially robots that were created by humans to be subservient creatures, um, and they eventually become self-aware and um, want to have uh, human rights, even though they're not human. Um, and that's kind of like a you know that's that's a big theme too like they they talk about how the the human race is dying and um they don't have enough people to populate they're having problems with fertility and uh, this woman is pregnant and they are talking about aborting the child because it's um half cylon and how like um controversial that is and mm-hmm. you know again a crazy thought where you know the population needs to be repopulated but not if it's um not exactly the kind of uh, yeah if it's not the right kind yeah right right and that's that's just another way that um science fiction has been able to to kind of point out our flaws to us um and you know prejudices like that where Mm -hmm. we we shouldn't be making robots as subservient beings um you know the unless we are willing to kind of take that step if they become too self-aware then what happens Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean mass effect did um 
did a fairly good job portraying this as well with the Quarians and the Geth, where the Quarians created the Geth, these, you know, um, artificial intelligent beings who were, you know, housed in robots, essentially, more or less. And they kind of had like a shared consciousness, almost Borg-like, but not like real time. It would, you know, they would be like different programs running in a certain like housing unit and then they would like you know confer with other ones and stuff like that it was like a little bit more detailed than like Borgar but essentially similar and you know they obviously you know gained a certain level of sentience and I remember this so well because um you're on a a mission with Legion who is like a guest uh companion with you and it's in Mass Effect 3, so I got to watch it. I haven't played it yet, but I got to watch it where you re- you get to uncover like the real, you know, what actually happened to force the whole geth Korean War. And what happened was one of the Geth asked one of their creators, does this unit have a soul? And the Geth- and the Quarians just kind of brushed him off. And, you know, obviously like stuff happened from then. But later on in the game where it comes down to where Legion has to basically sacrifice himself either way. Either way, like, no matter what happened, Legion has to sacrifice himself in some way. And if you get the good ending, he looks to your Quarian companion, if you have her with you, and he asks, Talizora, does this unit have a soul? And she'll say, yes, you have a soul. And it's just such a touching moment to see this evolution between these two companions who, you know, obviously they have their races have this long-standing you know hate of each other but they're able to come together and see past that and see that you know yes you're different but that doesn't matter because we're all still fighting for the same thing and right that line you know still gets fans to this to this day and I mean there's a reason for that because it's just an extremely touching scene awesome was there anything else you wanted to make sure we talk about? Yeah. Um, well, since I'm already talking about a game, um, I might as well go into Gaming <laughs> Corner. <laughs> yes. Um, so you, if anybody like saw or my post, I've been like posting a little off just because stuff going on. I swear to God, I, I've had so, I've been running so many errands this past like couple of weeks. It's just been insane. I have been out of the house way more than I even wanted to be. <laughs> And so I haven't even been gaming a whole, whole lot, like not as much as I normally would. But um, in preparation for this topic and, you know, kind of like thinking of things and researching and everything, I kind of obviously, you know, kind of levitated towards games as well. And so, you know, it kind of came up where... You know, there's obviously in certain games where you can create your own like playable character, there's limitations on it. And, you know, especially like when you go back to older games like uh, Dragon Age Origins, uh, yeah, you can make like a, um, well, you can get close to making like, say, a a black human noble. But when you start the the game, your family is white, like white, 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 (laughs) you know, and it's like... Hmm, like, is Kuzland adopted or something? Like, what is going on here? So, you know, I'm glad that they kind of rectified that a little bit in D- in Dragon Age 2, where if you create your character, like, going off of, like, a certain preset or a certain skin tone, your family will actually morph and change depending on that so you actually look like a family unit. 
Um, but even so, like, there's just still certain limitations where, you know, it, everything is very Eurocentric, <laughs> you know, and obviously that's an issue that's something that needs to be worked on. Based off of what I've seen with Andromeda, I think, at least I hope, it's going in a good direction for Dragon Age as far as, like, hairstyles and, like, facial features are concerned, at least. Um, but one thing that I have noticed and that was kind of sort of... Uh, I don't want to say promised, but kind of hinted at in Cyberpunk was the ability to make a character with, you know, that, that could represent a trans body. In other words, you could have like a male presenting chest and then you could have a female presenting genitalia or like vice versa. You could have a female presenting chest and like male presenting genitalia, which, you know, is great. Awesome. Cool. That's kind of what they hinted at during character creation, but as we all know, it didn't quite turn out that way. Like, you can obviously, you know, change up your genitalia, but the chest area remains the same, like whether you choose the male preset or the female preset. And that's pretty disheartening because it's like, we were so close, and yet, still, I won't be, I can't play a game today where I could see myself in my body represented in the game mm -hmm. you know and i mean obviously if i ever play cyberpunk at this point um i could kind of hedge it where i could choose the male form and then like have the female presenting genitalia but even then it's like the frame is way off like my shoulders are not broad like i, I much prefer like the female uh preset for the frame just because you know i have smaller shoulders i have like a smaller frame like that fits my body type better you know, instead of going with this male frame where it's like, you know, big and tall and like stocky and it's like that, that's not me, <laughs> you know, that's never going to be me. Even if I went on hormones, my shoulders aren't going to gain like all of these inches to, you know, accommodate for that. But and, and I wouldn't want it to like I, I'm happy with the way my body would be if I could choose that frame. But again, like it's it's just this limitation and we're getting closer. I think we are taking some good steps, but again, like, it's, it's, like, close, but not quite. Like, tying, um, it, it, tying the pronouns to the body type, again, not a good choice. Like, you, you could have literally made an arbitrary flag to where somebody could just choose their pronouns, or even, like, choose a gender-neutral pronoun, and, oh, look at that, it's cool. You know, I mean, they already chose, like, a fairly gender-neutral signifier in V, like, why couldn't you have gone all out and just either made everything gender neutral or made like a just an arbitrary flag like to choose in character creation oh okay well yeah i'll go with these pronouns for this person you know like i don't know again like I, i'm not a programmer but you know when when you've had the time to work on this uh i, I don't know i don't know i i think you know obviously there's some good things but I think it is, and I think it is important to look at those good things and say, okay, how could this be better? Because obviously it's not perfect. And I don't expect every outing to be perfect. But I think it is important how um, developers respond to the criticism and then move to, you know, improve in the future. So obviously, you know, like say in Bioware's case where, you know, they're, have very Eurocentric uh, character creation and, you know, they, even they don't have like, you know, all of this um, ability to present like a trans 
person or a trans experience, even though they do have trans characters. And hopefully we'll get to see one in Dragon Age 4, really crossing my fingers for Megaris. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, they take all of this criticism and, you know, instead of rejecting it, they use it to improve upon the products that they're working on. So, you know, maybe in the next Mass Effect, we'll be able to play, you know, a character who could be trans or maybe in the next Dragon Age, we could choose our own pronouns. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're going to go that far. Uh, I would hope that they could. I do know that there um, do have some more diverse people working on their staff now than they did in the past. So I'm hopeful that, you know, those people are listened to and that they're able to, you know, give their input and improve the product even further so that, you know, we can all see ourselves represented on screen. Because I mean, that that's a hugely powerful thing to be able to see yourself on this screen and, you know, not have to be disjointed in some way. I, I think that's really, really important. And I hope that in the future, we get to that point eventually, hopefully in my lifetime. <laughs> okay, I think that is a perfect uh, way to end the episode. Um, <laughs> we, as always, would love to hear what you guys have to say. Um, if you uh, notice something we didn't talk about, please yell at us. We want to hear it. Um, and Geez, with that, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tegan. And thank you so much for listening to us today on Beauties and Headcanons. <laughs>